Alright, welcome to Nostalgia. This is your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Patrick Sheehan, and I'm here with your co-host, he just finished Saving Gotham and Metropolis, Dave Martinson. Yeah, conveniently those cities are right across the bay from each other. Yeah, who knew? How you doing? Geographically, that doesn't make any sense, I don't think. But hey, we'll go with it. We'll talk more about Batman vs. Superman in a quick moment. But Pat, how's it going today? Episode 6 of Nostalgia. We're doing pretty good. Last week we talked about our expectations for Batman vs. Superman. Namely, our concerns and our hopes for the movie. And now we've both seen it. And we're going to talk a lot about that in just a moment before we hit on some other things, but also I did a spoiler cast regarding Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice with a friend of the show and fellow podcaster, Steve DeCorda of Bluefish Comics, so if you look at Nostalgia SoundCloud, at soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod, you'll see that spoiler cast up there already, right there, it's about a half hour talk, we dive into all the nitty gritty, all the easter eggs, mm-hmm. you know, real in depth with the movie, so if you're really interested in that, check that out for our overarching thoughts Pat and I will get to that in just a moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually listened to that podcast today. I had I hadn't heard the interview yet, and it, I thought it was fantastic. Or not even an interview; it was a discussion about the uh, the movie in general. You and Steve had some great takes, and we're not going to go as deep into Batman versus Superman today. So, if you want some in depth analysis, I definitely recommend that. We have a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today. We're going to do some music talk, some video game talk, and definitely some movie talk. All right, Dave. So it's been a pretty busy week in music. We had Smashing Pumpkins reuniting the original members. We had LCD Sound System rise from the dead on Easter Sunday. We had... (laughs) Axl Rose, now frontlining ACDC. That one's really awesome. It, I feel bad for Brian Johnson, but that's awesome that ACDC's still kicking. Definitely an interesting decision, especially with him touring with Guns N' Roses. But I think what we want to talk about, probably a, a reoccurring topic we should just make on the show. Religion. What's going on with Kanye? Yeah, exactly. So... Title, the only place you can find the life of Pablo in its full form, although Famous is now on Spotify, which is a good sign. It has 3 million subscribers now. And it claims that Kanye's The Life of Pablo had 250 million streams in 10 days of its release. That's a lot of streams. That would be like 84 streams of the full album per person. Is that right? Per person. Oh, oh, because it's subscribers. If you have 3 million subscribers, that's about... Wait, wait, but that's not accounting for all those free trials. It actually does. That's kind of for the trials? It counts the free trials. It says that half of those subscribers are actually paying for the service. The other half are all free subscribers. Oh, that's weird. Do we radio, believe that? Radio number? stations? Radio stations have been playing many songs on the album, but there's no physical release of the song. He just put out Famous on iTunes and Spotify as a single, but I'm pretty sure radio stations who are playing like Father Stretch My Hands and you know various songs, I assume they're playing that via right. streaming because I don't think these songs weren't released to radio like a normal right single or song would be so maybe radio stations i don't know i'm thinking it's a big number it says that the, the album was streamed this many times it's obviously not the full album being streamed right. there's no way that that's possible i probably streamed 84 times i mean in 10 days going in clicking one song exiting the app coming back in listening yeah. to ultralight beam again exiting right. out ultralight beam again listen to chances verse Correct. again yeah but, if you missed our thoughts on the life of pablo the album proper check out Episode 2 of Nostalgia at soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. And also throw us a rating on iTunes or find an episode on iTunes if you like. That'd be really great. I guess my my question with this, because Kanye said he didn't want 
any kind of critique on the album until it was done. <laughs> right. So does this mean the album is finally finished? I don't know. This number is also funny for me because it was reported that the album was pirated, downloaded illegally, 500,000 times mm-hmm. around release, which would, you know, if those were sales, that's a gold album right there. Right. So all those streams combined with all those illegal downloads, a lot of people cared about this album, from what we know, but is the album complete? We talked about the changes recently as well on the mm-hmm. show. We don't have any more changes as of yet. I think he, the only thing to note is uh, Chance changed one part in his verse when he says, uh, they don't know, they don't know. He changed one of those parts to no one can judge. He, he sings that part. The only change, it's very small that I, yeah. I noticed listening to it again. None of these changes that have happened in the past few weeks have changed my opinion of the album anyway. No. We said that before. I mean, I guess it's fair to judge. The reviews are already out. Everyone's made their opinions. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's just, it'd be good if he just puts it on Spotify, puts it on iTunes. Because remember, this album didn't even chart on Billboard because it was only available on Tidal, and Tidal doesn't report right. their streams until recently, but they don't report their streams to Billboard. The album did not chart his first time for that. I think that's just a testament to the changing nature of how people listen to and consume media in general. Right. Well, I mean, Spotify streams are still counted during mm-hmm. first week sales, but Tidal streams aren't as of yet. Right, but when you think about success, I don't think Kanye thinks about, oh, my, my album went platinum anymore. He looks at, you know, title had this many subscribers because of my album. They had this many yeah. streams because of my album. Mm-hmm. And he looks at that as success compared to, oh, I have a platinum record I can put on my wall. Yeah, well, he's got enough of those already. Best album run in hip-hop by far. Talked about that as well. But yeah, Kanye, we'll, uh, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if the album changes again, but whatever. Kanye is always full of surprises. Nothing can probably catch us off guard at this point more interesting for me was that instagram picture that was posted by i think it was quavo from migos it was a studio picture of kanye tyler creator big sean vic mensa migos and Travis scott i Mm. think it was awesome awesome hopefully posse cut yeah i was gonna say that's an incredible crew right there so we'll see apparently they're working on turbograph 16 i still don't think it comes out in the summer we'll see i mean kanye tweeted a picture today that he was home so if he's home Maybe he's settling down and starting to work on some more music. Let's hope. Mm -hmm. So something else that came out recently that I think is fun to talk about, interesting to talk about, and maybe important to talk about is Call of Duty. So they made some big announcements recently. Can you update everybody on that? Call of Duty, which, as we all know, is this juggernaut first-person shooter video game franchise, comes out every November, annualized. And around this time, we always start to hear thoughts about the game. We don't know the title or the release date, but we know it's coming in November. We already know what the studio is. But in this instance, for 2016, the studio is Infinity Award, mm-hmm. and Call of Duty is developed on a three-year development cycle. So there's three studios that take turns making it. So every three years, you have to get one out. So it's right. not like they're being made in one year. They're being made three years mm-hmm. in a vacuum. Three right. different teams, three different huge teams. So Infinity Award is on deck for 2016. And their announcement is that and this is this was not announced, but this was verified by industry insiders right. who usually get these kind of things right. And they say that the game is full on sci-fi, well out into the future, go all out for sci-fi, as opposed to what we've seen before, which went from World War II to a modern warfare to right in the past few games now have been a near future kind of still modern warfare. Mm-hmm. So if that turns out to be true, that the next Call of Duty this year is going to be way on the future. 
that's a really huge evolution for the series, and I think it's probably a good idea. It's an interesting idea. I mean, Call of Duty Ghosts, the last one, was kind of panned. Yeah, last one from Infinity Ward. Right. They're not giving it a sequel. That, right. That's very telling, because they wanted Ghosts to essentially be the new Modern Warfare series. Right. Because they didn't want to put out Modern Warfare 4. Mm-hmm. Once you get you know that high of a number for sequels, it starts to scare people away. Right. So they started the Ghost franchise, but did not do well enough, really did not stick at all. And they're not continuing the setting the story, they're leaving that alone and starting something completely new. I guess the reason I paused there um, was because I was going to say it wasn't successful. That's a lie. It sold it's, 19 million copies. Yeah, it's all relevant. It's successful. but As successful for Call of Duty standards, not Exactly. So right. So I don't want to belittle the success of the game. Obviously, Call of Duty is a franchise that it's, it's a juggernaut. It's puts out a game, people buy it, rinse, repeat, always the same thing. I don't know if I like the idea of it moving forward to the future. But it seems like you do, so give me your thoughts on this. Yeah, well, the, the problem is just what's called franchise fatigue in video games. Assassin's Creed, they announced they're not releasing a game this year. A mm-hmm. game that's been annualized for the last six years, they're not coming out with a game this year because they want to put more time to develop it and make the game feel different. And Call of Duty's never going to skip a year, but they don't need to because, they, like I said, they right. have three different studios working on a game. Mm-hmm. But... Finally leaving the near future behind and really going for it, I think is great because if you think back for Call of Duty, in 2007, Infinity Ward released their first Call of Duty game, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, which most people remember very fondly. It was also very influential because it really, uh, not pioneered, but pushed forward the first-person shooter genre in games. Right. And then... All the World War II shooters that we saw a lot about four years before that, now is all modern warfare shooters for the next mm-hmm. five-year chunk. Lately, we've been looking at near-future stuff, so like 2025, lots of drones, maybe right. some laser stuff, but still more or less based in reality, like mm-hmm. robotics, uh, cybernetics, that kind of stuff. But I think going full futuristic is probably best because if you can introduce some kind of new innovative game mechanic... It won't seem like it was just rinse and repeat year after year because a lot of people are feeling they don't need to play Call of Duty every year because it feels too similar year to year. It feels like the same. And I'm saying, not saying that Call of Duty games are ever bad. They're really greatly made games, but they feel too similar to the game that came out last November and the November before that. A change makes sense. So I think that those are all great points. I guess my concern is when they said that it's going to be a full-on sci-fi game mm-hmm. set in space, it makes me wonder, is this just going to become you know, astronauts in space shooting guns at each other? How are they going to play this out? I mean, Ghost, as we said, it was a successful game in terms of you know standards set for other games, but for Call of Duty, this, this is a big risk. I mean, if they fall flat on their face going full-on in space, going to some futuristic, maybe even alien-oriented type mm-hmm. battle, right? it could definitely fall flat, and that's a huge risk. And if it's not broke, why fix it? I mean, I think they just want to preserve their longevity because after Ghosts, we had Sledgehammer come out with Advanced Warfare. Last year, we had Treyarch come out with Black Ops 3. Advanced Warfare and Black Ops 3 feel very, very similar in that they're both near-future games. And as far as I'm concerned, Black Ops 3 felt more like Advanced Warfare 2 than it did a sequel to Black Ops. Mm-hmm. Why go to space? I just think you got, you got to push this boundary. I thought going back to World War II was po- a possibility. We haven't really had any games in that setting in quite a while. Right. And remember, they've been this is they've been making this game for three years, so it, it's almost done with their development. They're just got ready to announce it. They'll probably announce it in June for E3. But Call of Duty wants to get ahead of... They want to keep setting the trends. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to make bad on the goodwill that your 
huge loyal customer base has given you by giving them an inferior product, being content with not innovating. It's why Rockstar doesn't make Grand Theft Auto 789. Like they don't push those games out, they just focus on the quality. And Call of Duty, thankfully, has a lot of people working on their various franchises, but I think if they can try and find a new way to make the game feel new again, that's a good way to get people excited about the game again, as opposed to being, oh yeah, Call of Duty, it'll be good. It's, mm. it's there. It should, you don't want it to be like that anymore. See, I guess in a way, Call of Duty almost, in my brain, takes up the same space that a game like Madden, a game yeah. like a- NBA 2K, FIFA. something like that. Exactly. It's, it's know, exactly that. Uh, and to me, as someone that plays mostly sports games, I'll admit that, and, and first per- person as my second choice, that, that feels okay to me. But I can mm-hmm. understand for people who take video games a little bit more seriously, want to be pushing the boundaries, want to be seeing something new every time they play. I can absolutely understand wanting to be pushing forward. But I think that actually talking about Modern Warfare and how important that game was when it first came out and how that pushed the first-person shooter forward, another announcement came out recently was that the Video Game Hall of Fame released its 2016 nominees. So last year was the first year that the Video Game Hall of Fame started, and they inducted Pong, Pac-Man, Doom, World of Warcraft, Tetris, and Super Mario Brothers. Right. They have a bunch of nominees this year. I'm going to run through them real quick. 15 finalists. So I think I have 14 of the 15 written down. So whichever one I miss. Elite, Final Fantasy, John Madden Football, Legends of Zelda, Minecraft, The Oregon Trail, Pokemon Red, Space Invaders, Street Fighter 2, Sonic the Hedgehog, Tomb Raider, Civilization, Nurburgring. I don't, I'm not sure if that's it's a right. racetrack in Germany. Okay. And then I think I missed one of them. Did you, did you say Grand Theft Auto 3? That's the one I missed. Yeah. It's a pretty stacked nominee. Those are some stacked nominations, I should say. Yeah, and this new video game Hall of Fame, their criteria for these game selections is based on influence, on impact on the games industry. So it's not picking the best, the best of the best games. A lot of these games are very influential. And you can clearly draw a line from what this game did for the rest of the genre or video games in general. Some, in some instances, there's a better version of that game out there, but it's all about the impact. So last year's group is, you know, you can't really have, argue with any of those. Pong, no. nothing to say there. Pac-Man, Doom, really push uh, shooters. Yep. World of Warcraft, the MMO and social gaming. Tetris, the most popular game of all time. Right. And Super Mario Bros. for pushing the platformer. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you look at these finalists, there's, you know, you got every genre out there. They only can select six games, though, so a lot of those games, very deserving, won't get in. If you had to pick, why don't we not do all six, but why don't we do three each? Sure, sure. We'll, we'll do, a, like, a draft, snake style. Yeah, but, okay. So you get first pick, I'll take the next two, then you get the next two, I'll take the last one? Sure. I feel like it's a, it's a sin not to pick The Legend of Zelda. This is the, the first Zelda game. It's not considered the best Zelda, but it's so influential mm-hmm. for adventure games. One of Nintendo's most popular and successful IPs and really helping Nintendo be successful. So Legend of Zelda, even though I think A Link to the Past is the best Zelda game, but Legend of Zelda for sure. I think it's a shoe-in. I'm going to go with The Oregon Trail as yeah, my next pick. I mean, when you think about growing up and you think about sitting at the Mac computers in your elementary school and playing a game. You right. think about playing Oregon Trail and dying of dysentery or right. dying across the river or Sims something as well, like that. But yeah, I think the Oregon Trail is probably a little more influential than the Sims. So, I mean, and I, I think it's a game literally everybody has played. That would be my next pick. And then, I guess, I gave away some of my bias before. I'm a sports fan, mm-hmm. and John Madden football is 
was the start of an institution. Madden has become a yearly tradition almost that people go out, buy the game the night it comes out, will play it. It's a sports institution that really pushed forward sports games in general. So yeah. That'd be my third pick. For sure. Uh, Madden's a good one. Space Invaders, very similar to last year's pick of Pac-Man, but Space Invaders was so influential in the arcade and you know, longevity on you know retro gaming as well. That's a good one. Street Fighter 2 really pioneered the fighting genre. Tomb Raider, probably the one of the lesser games on the list, but mm-hmm. Lara Croft really was the first female protagonist in video games, right. which is really important. And she has a movie coming out in 2018, probably starring Daisy Ridley. If you want to hear more about that, listen to our podcast from last week. Absolutely. And then you got Pokemon Red and Green. A video game nerd would call that like baby's first RPG. But Pokemon <laughs> is so influential. And then he also knows us to be a Final Fantasy, which is right. a more hardcore RPG. But I think Pokemon needs to be on there because that really yep. proliferated handheld gaming. Because when Pokemon Red and Green came out, and for, for us Americans, Red and Blue months later, same year, the Game Boy was well along in its lifespan. And Pokemon just kept that thing going and the Game mm-hmm. Boy Color took off. So I, I gotta go with Pokemon, I think. So you chose Pokemon in what game? Uh, Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2. Alright, so with the last pick, man, I'm really stuck here between Civilization and Sonic. <sighs> yeah, see, Civilization is really good for the simulator genre. Sonic, I think, is very overrated Wow. for platformers. None of those games are really that great. And I'm not too keen on the influence, but I would think the influence is more over at the Mario end. GTA 3 is really huge for open world games. And Minecraft, Minecraft is huge. You it's cannot, huge now. You cannot discount that its impact, but I think it's a little too new to be in the second second class for the video game hall of fame with right. so many of the classics. Oh, absolutely. Games already out there. So I, I, would, I would vote for GTA 3, but you really can't go wrong with my, most of these. Yeah, I think I think just my personal taste, I'd probably pick Civilization just cuz I like those, you know, like world building games and Civilization was really like the OG. Oh yeah, that. of course. So, I think I'm going to go with that and finish out our draft, but like you said, any of these are really deserving, except for maybe Sonic, in your opinion. But please, if you disagree with any of our picks, hit yeah. us up on Twitter or SoundCloud, iTunes. Let us know. We want to hear from you. Before we move on to some Batman versus Superman talk, right? we did want to touch on something we talked about in, I think, our first podcast. Yeah, I think so. Deadpool. Now the highest grossing rated R movie of all time, Dave. Of all time. I know. That's awesome. I'm really happy for Fox. Because after Fantastic Four bombed so bad for them, they really needed a hit. And this is good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's, it's uh, the second highest grossing R-rated movie domestically. Passion of the Christ is still higher. And I don't think Deadpool will get there. But worldwide, Deadpool passed The Matrix Reloaded. Yep. Which wasn't even that great. No. Deadpool's <laughs> awesome. Deadpool uh, Definitely go awesome. see that. It's probably at your second-run theater now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely watch Deadpool. Hilarious. We talked, we talked about it in good detail in episode one. Yeah, it's really awesome. I'm really happy for Fox. And also, today's news, they delayed the production of Gambit. Starring I saw Shannon that. Tatum. And he's going to be doing like a sniper movie, I believe, the director. Yeah, so the, direct, the director's doing a project in between. And I think I'm okay with this. Fox knows that they're going to have another hit with Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, X-Men Apocalypse coming in May. We don't know where X-Men's going from there. They could reboot. But Gambit's something they should get right, because if they want... Channing Tatum is really hot right now, and you want that to be another new sub-X-Men IP the way Deadpool is now. So take as much time as you need and get that right. Don't rush it. It was initially supposed to be probably already done production and be coming out this fall. 
So that's, you know, obviously we push way back. But as long as I get it right, we'll probably see in a year or two. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Deadpool's a very unique character, but I think Gambit, in a way, is kind of like Deadpool, where if you had gotten him wrong, you were probably never going to see that character really have his own film again. So I, yeah. I think I totally agree with you that you need to get this right. Take your time on it. Make sure that you make the best movie that you can. But Deadpool was a very different movie from a movie that... I saw yesterday, I think you saw over the weekend, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. That's right. So, again, Dave did a longer pod with Steve from Bluefish Comics talking about in-depth spoilers and uh, intakes on Batman vs. Superman. So listen to that if you want a little bit more of the nitty-gritty. We're going to stay a little bit more surface level, talk a little bit more about the impact that the critics' reviews had on this. But there will be spoilers from this point forward, so if you haven't seen it, Turn us off, bookmark this, come back to us once you've seen the movie. That's and right. Yeah, I talked with Steve a lot about the Easter eggs, the spoilers, the future of the DC Extended Universe on screen, cameos, everything you can think of, we went into the theories. So that's all on there, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. It's been on Twitter a lot lately, so definitely check that out and let me know what you think and let us know if you like the movie or hated it but yeah let's get right into it that spoilers so i mean it was all a dream it was all in it was all in superman's head first spoiler <laughs> okay but seriously real spoilers from here on out i thought the movie was a c minus uh, on a scale of one to ten i think you did a one you and steve did a one to ten on yours right. i'd probably give it like a five or six yeah i think i'm not one to seven seven mm-hmm. and a half I, I think it's interesting that we talked about deadpool before this mm-hmm. and then Batman vs. Superman is so dark and so brooding and so yeah. almost preachy in some ways. And Deadpool... Funny enough, yeah. Deadpool is so complete opposite. It's fun, it's light. It's breaking the fourth wall. Right. Course, yeah. And it makes fun of itself in the whole genre. So kind of transitioning is, is interesting. And there were some things I really liked. I mean, Batman cameo where Ben Affleck is working out with his shirt off and just like throwing tires and pulling tires. Oh, you, you mean the CrossFit scene where he does a <laughs> selfie and they're talking about how he works out? It might be. The... That was so unauthentic. <laughs> it literally might be the best like workout montage since Rocky. Yeah, it was Since awesome. Rocky for It was it was awesome. I, I loved Ben Affleck in general. I thought his grisly, older, seasoned Batman was great. I thought he had a mm-hmm. dynamic with Jeremy Irons' Alfred oh, Pennyworth. Oh, Jeremy Irons was great. And Batman's fight in the mm-hmm. third act when he goes to save Clark's awesome. mom. So intense. Mm-hmm. So visceral. So really physical. Question for you though, Pat. Were you okay with Batman killing? I was... Obviously very unlike the character. Anyone that's followed the pod knows that... I really enjoyed seeing Deadpool kill people. So seeing Batman kill people, torture people, didn't mind it at all. Brand them all you want, Batman. They're like you said, they're criminals. They're weeds. You pull yeah, one, another exactly. one pops up. It, it made sense because he was so cynical with that. With that line, right. exactly. And I think point that Steve made on your pod was that if Batman wasn't killing people, then what are you gonna do in the final fight scene between Superman? He's gonna try to wrap them up in yeah. some crypt. Krypton, like there's no stakes right exactly it, it was it was important i thought it was also great that you know they made him older they made him doing different things than what the dark knight did because the dark knight was a masterpiece so i thought the whole trilogy fantastic. was fantastic and you can't replace it so you had to go in a direction yeah. that was a little right. bit different so this was the perfect direction to go in with that right i thought maybe one of the things that they could have done better was to develop batman a little better how many I, how many times do you see Martha and Thomas Wayne get shot? I know you have to do it to set Batman up. I, I thought they did it pretty well in this one. It was more or less the opening montage. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I do agree, you know, origin stories get tired. Spider-Man problem, yeah. first and foremost. Right. But I said, I said this in the spoiler cast, too. We almost were looking at Superman was doing this stuff, Batman was doing this stuff. 
oh, Metropolis and Gotham are right next to each other. Oh, wait, they, Batman hates Superman now. Like, it just seemed like we took two separate storylines and then they just kind of ran into each other in the second act. Yeah, no. It, Next thing you know, we're on that helipad with Lex Luthor. It, it really felt as if it was like you're writing like a term paper and you have four paragraphs about totally different things then your final paragraph you're like and in conclusion i can bring together these four things with this one little thread and it just seemed like a stretch at, at times the, the movie flowed much more like a comic book than a film that, that was that, that's the i think the top Knock critique of the movie yes. the main problem mm-hmm. is that it's just the plot is 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 okay it would be better if it was written better, if it was formulated better. But the movie, I think, really died on the editing room floor. You can really tell. It just feels disjointed. It doesn't flow that well. Right. And for someone who's not a huge comics guy, not into all the references, the beginning might seem a little slow. It, and it felt very slow. I found myself kind of like leaning back and forth. I, th- I think I checked my phone once or twice. And it it's not for lack of being uninterested. I mean, I think Superman, Batman, very interesting characters. And the acting was great all around, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, Superman is Superman. Uh, yeah. I, I think C- what, Cable, is, or is it Cavill, or however you say Cavill, his name. I think, I think it's, Yeah. He's an interesting guy. I'd like to see him do a little bit more. Cause I, I liked his relationship with Lois. I, I thought it was nice. Uh, Lois might not have been written very well, but I, no. thought, <laughs> I thought their scenes were good together. Right. So you're this award-winning reporter who gets this awesome interview with like some terrorists that right. no one's ever got an interview with are you a terrorist no freaking duh why else would you be there i don't know lois figure it out just figure it out that whole subplot in the desert i have some problems with i talk more about in the spoiler guys. and just wasting jimmy olsen like it, yeah, that's, i don't care about that but that that kind of points to more of the problem with Zack snyder as the director for this mm-hmm. is jimmy olsen in the comic books is Superman's like best friend. You know, they, they Clark Kent's best friend. Clark, Clark Kent's best friend. Right. Correct. And Zack Snyder in an interview basically said, "We don't have any room for him, so we can have some fun with him." Well, we'll confirm he's, he was there. <laughs> but I mean, that whole premise that this character who really had a much larger role in the actual comic books, and he's saying, "Eh, we don't have any room for him, so he's kind of disposable. We can use him however we want to." Mm-hmm. And that, I think, just speaks to more of the whole overall look of the movie is it really tried to do some creative stuff. It tried to play up the whole man versus God, you know, good versus evil. I think, yeah, I but, think the theme, they were on with the themes. And did you like Lex Lu- uh, Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal of Lex Luthor? It was very committed and it was co- he was more or less the mouthpiece for some of those themes. Right. And that's the thing is that it basically all came from him. I thought it was a really interesting take. It almost kind of seemed like he was trying to create some of that manicness that comes with the Joker. Like, just that unpredictability and just, like, fluctuating from one extreme to the other. However, I don't know if if it landed. His motivations need to be a little more clear for me Mm -hmm. than for most people. I think motivations in general. Batman wants to destroy Superman because he wrecked Metropolis and killed some people Bruce Wayne knew inadvertently is that, is that what that is and then Lex Luthor wants to discredit Superman because he's strong and absolute power gets corrupted like it, I mean I, I guess it just wasn't it wasn't that clear it wasn't and you don't really even know how much he's doing behind the scenes I mean you see him go into uh, Zod ship you see him right. start to take over that but you don't really see how much he's doing things until all of a sudden like you said before the pacing totally picks up, and we're on the helipad, and Lex Luthor has set up this insanely elaborate plot 
to set Batman versus Superman against each other to kill each other, mm-hmm. so that then he can unleash Doomsday and take over the world. It just seemed rushed at parts. I feel like it's a little rushed. Yeah, Wonder Woman, who I thought Gal Gadot really was amazing. She was great. Yeah. She might be the biggest takeaway for me as like looking forward what I'm excited for with DC movies, especially because they said that they're going to go back. In, in the next movie and go to a younger, more naive, quote-unquote, Wonder Woman. Yeah, so, the movie's in production right now, comes out next year. So she's she was definitely a big takeaway for me, but I would have liked to have seen more more than her just walking around in, in evening wear all the time until until she's fighting yeah. Doomsday. Well, yeah, unfortunately her appearance in the Wonder Woman garb for the first time was already shown in the trailers. Mm-hmm. I thought her theme was awesome, like that metal theme when she first appeared was really strong in the music. Uh, Lex Luthor also had a really, really, uh, really crazy theme too. When he, I think it was when he's walking in that tunnel. R.I.P. Hans Zimmer in superhero movies, by the way. Yeah. Say so he's never gonna do one again. He did a really good job. Burnt out. He did. He I'm, did. I'm, I'm fine with that though. I liked what the. Did you do? What was it when Doomsday appeared and like the electric and the electric guitars were screeching right. just them? I thought that was an awesome way to do it. And the cool, but the cool thing about uh, Gal Gadot, uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. is when she had that, she was fighting Doomsday with that, like, that lasso, that whip, which we had. That seen. was awesome. That was awesome. And when she first gets punched back by Doomsday, she kind of gets up and like smiles. Yeah, she grinned a little bit. Yeah. She, yeah. she well, she injected levity that was nowhere to be found in this whole movie. <laughs> right. Like speaking of Deadpool being so you know upbeat, right? Wonder Woman was actually bringing something that wasn't just super brooding. Yeah, it was a breath of fresh air, right. and and maybe that's that's a, a big takeaway too that I hadn't really thought about until now. But that breath of fresh air, I mean, we saw a glimpse. Well, we saw two glimpses actually of the Flash. Yes, um, I was going to ask you how'd you feel about the other cameos. I thought the I thought the Flash coming back in Bruce's dream I, yeah. I guess that was a dream He's coming back in time the Flash does travel through time I thought that was really cool because it was so unexpected no one right. thought that was coming that was, I thought that was really awesome yeah no I thought not that sure was... what it means Lois is the key yeah Lois is the key you were right something like that too early yet. it's too it's Really got my, my head spinning. We, we theorize more about that on the spoiler cast. Right. So I thought that was an awesome first cameo. And then you see, obviously, Gal gets the email from Bruce, and she opens up. She sees that there's other metahumans, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So you also see Aquaman, which was the sort Aquaman of... scene was awkward. Yeah, it was just strange. Like, it was basically him, like, posing for the the camera in the water and then yeah. destroying it and swimming. The swimming was, I guess, kind of cool. It was. And you also seeing how Cyborg was created was really, I thought, pretty interesting. Thing. Yeah, it was graphic. And I, I think some a different opinion than Steve had. I actually kind of liked how they showed that, even yeah. though it was just a really brief cameo for them. I thought that was appropriate, and it kind of sets up that I moving thought, forward. I thought that those the introduction of that you know found footage metahuman Justice League cameos. I thought that flowed much better than other parts of the movie. Oh, a lot absolutely. of people expected those guys being shooed into the movie and make, and that would be the reason it felt too packed. No, that right. actually was pretty was fine with that. No, I the flashy and then and then the, the camera stuff. But it was fine. I agree. And I think one of the things I didn't like very much was the reoccurring Batman dreams, the PTSD the vision. visions. I, I don't well, the, know. The one was a clear hint of dark side. Right. When you, uh, in the future the, the Omega symbol and then the parademon knocks him out. That mm-hmm. was that was pretty trippy. And then at the end of the movie, when Lex Luthor, now Rockin's right. classic, the shaved head. The bell has been rung. Exactly. So the Kryptonian ship that he was communicating with from uh, you know, Zod's ship, mm-hmm. he knows about Darkseid now. Right. And the new gods and stuff. And even Mother Boxes. Like, I, I think that even though this movie has a lot of faults, I think it's a hard seven. A lot of cool things to like, both visually and you know character-wise. Mm-hmm. 
but it has its problems. But I really like how committed they are to this this universe. They're really going for it, this kind right. of universe, and I'm, I'm really happy about that. No, and it, they definitely took some risks, which they had to do. I don't know if... If it landed in all spots, it absolutely didn't. I mean, like you said, it's very flawed in, yeah, in several it had a lot. It set out to do a lot of things. Like, like we said last week, there was only three characters on the screen that we ever saw before, one of which was Perry, and Lawrence Fishburne. Quick, quick side note, Perry is the worst boss ever. Basically, Lois Lane runs the Daily Planet. She told him just to give her a helicopter, <laughs> and he gave it to her for no reason. Like, what kind of boss? If my bosses are listening, give me a helicopter to get to and from work right now. I need it for personal reasons. Don't ask why. Also, but, Clark Kent, clearly the worst reporter. It, yeah, and he just lets... He doesn't even have any qualifications for that. <laughs> he, he's like the sports beat reporter, and he's writing these articles about how a vigilante in Gotham should be going to jail. He would be fired immediately for that. Perry, you can kick rocks. Sorry, Lawrence Fishburne. I think you're <laughs> awesome in the Matrix. Kick rocks, otherwise. <laughs> but coming back to it, I think one of the, the critic reviews that I read said the movie lacked heart. I think that rang true with me in the sense that... When I saw Superman die, that was obviously surprising. Yes, do not expect that to happen. Literally, the death of death of Superman storyline, where Doomsday kills Superman, is what we saw in the third act. And it was sad. But I watched, and I said, "Man, this is even sadder because other than Lois Lane, he's basically dying alone." Mm-hmm. I mean, his mom wasn't there with him. I mean, obviously that she was a big catalyst for why Batman didn't kill Superman. But, Which I liked. Some people didn't like that, but I think that makes sense for Batman's character. Eh, I think we'll, I'll touch on that after I finish this point. I was watching it. I want. I really wanted that moment. I know that Zack Snyder wanted that moment to mm-hmm. be like, "Oh my God, Superman's dead," and I just didn't feel that. And I think it's because I didn't really feel a lot of emotional connection with any of the characters yet. But I mean, I had Superman more than any of them because he's the one that we saw the first movie with Man of Steel. But I feel like Superman is a character who is very hard to connect with on a personal level in a lot of ways because he is so godly you know, the problem with this superman is that he wasn't the seer of good in everyone classic mm. superman so when superman works it's because he always sees good in light of overarching like negativity he's the one ultimate good optimism. versus ultimate bad he, right. good still comes out top and mm-hmm. that's why you know superman perseveres we don't really have that and a lot of people that are big superman fans don't like that about the way this superman is being done and unfortunately, I don't have a problem with that in general, but the death really fell a little flat just because... He's, he's just, surrounded by people just, that don't know him. He was always down on his luck, too. You know, He's always like, oh, everyone doesn't understand me, doesn't right. hate everyone, my sister hates me. He was mopey. Shit, you know? Superman, get, get it together, man. But also, I, I look at Bruce Wayne, who goes from literally being a second away from killing Superman yeah. 30 minutes ago to all With of a sudden kryptonite javelin right to all of a sudden so being best <laughs> to all of a sudden being best friends friend of your sons yeah <laughs> it's it's just I, it, that should have been I a lot funnier it. than it was I didn't buy it back to the problem <laughs> but anyway I mean I just didn't buy it and all of a sudden you know he goes to Superman's wedding so I failed him in life I won't fail him in death what do you mean dude you met him Literally one time, one time as Clark Kent and as Bruce Wayne, and then they met one time as Batman and Superman before they actually fought. Well, because he was trying to kill him so much, he hated him. He failed him. Yeah, it, he should have been helping him the whole time. It's really one of those things where it's sad. It's not sad. It was it was kind of funny actually, and all of a, and all of a sudden, I mean, Wonder Woman and Batman all of a sudden have this connection as well. I guess they fought together and survived this pretty 
amazing fight with terrible CGI, but... It's always bad. It was a bad... It, I think... It's a lot of CGI, sure. I think to the point that he made about being shot like a comic book, it looked like a comic book, which is okay. I think yeah. that's kind of what they were going for with it. But in terms of it being good CGI, I wouldn't say it was good. Well, it's still expensive CGI. It, obviously expensive. I, I think beyond that, though, is... I don't have any... I guess I have emotional bias to Wonder Woman at this point. I thought she was awesome. I really want to see The Flash. Aquaman was weird. Batman is Batman, so I'm going to watch when that movie comes out. But I don't know if I really feel like connected to them like I would if I saw Captain America get killed on the screen or sure. Iron Man get killed well, on the screen. Well, of course, like, like Luke said last week, we mm-hmm. haven't had a lot of time with these characters, but... They said that Justice League and Wonder Woman will be a lot different than this in terms of there's, there's lighter movies. And that makes sense for the Justice League because the Flash is a very lighthearted character. Mm-hmm. So I think the Justice League will probably surprise some people. And while this movie was the muddled, we got to do some setup exposition stuff. It's not going to go that well, but it's for the greater good. And now this Wonder Woman solo film, I think, will really help cement the universe going forward. And we have Suicide Squad coming up, which Batman will be in to some degree. I'm wondering if Suicide Squad is going to be based before this movie or after this Good movie. Question. That will be interesting to see because that will really play a part into probably where the Batman solo movie goes. Yeah, um, I'm guessing it has to go. It like, can't stay around this time period because Justice League will be forming. That's kind of Bruce Wayne's plan now that you know Clark is dead, quote unquote. Although right. you saw the dirt start rising off his coffin, so he's obviously not dead. Right, but. Well, yeah, the storyline goes the death and return of Superman. Right. And, I mean, it made $500 million already. It's it's not going to be a box office bust, but it does have a 29 on Rotten Tomatoes. as yeah. uh, Among critics, 79% time of recording among audience. So it's still really too early to see how it's going to look in terms of mm-hmm. setting up this whole DC revival plan. But The universe will go on even if this movie doesn't make another dollar. They're already committed to that. Right. You know, Wonder Woman's being filmed right now. But how, how do you feel about the shot we saw in the trailer of Dead Robin? Suit? I think it's interesting. Well, Batman, man, he's seen some shit. Bat- I like how committed to that in this universe. It's why he's having these visions, these, like, PTS. I, I really call, I, when I was sitting there as a therapist, I was thinking, man, he really should go talk to somebody. And Batman really should go see a therapist and a psychiatrist. He's very <laughs> mentally ill, yeah, I think. Alfred in a lot of ways. cracking jokes. Yeah, and, and, and drinking wine. He just wants to get fucked up all the time. <laughs> good for Alfred, man. I mean, he, he's been his sidekick for how long? He's got to be tired really of that shit. I think it will be interesting to see, I think we talked about possibly an Under the Red Hood movie or him making some kind of appearance in a future Batman movie with DC. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting if Jason Todd, who plays on, you know, Under the Red Hood, or is it Under the Red Hood? Uh, well, yeah, Jason Todd is the second Robin. Who right, he gets Joker killed. Joker kills, but he actually didn't end up dying and becomes like an anti-hero vigilante the Red Hood. So he... A lot of people theorize, me and Steve go into this on Spoilercast a lot too, but people think that perhaps that J- Jason Todd becomes the Joker in this universe, which would be crazy. Probably not. But I think Jason Todd died. I think we, we saw his Robin suit. Probably. Which is, which is really cool that that already happened. And Batman kept it, which is interesting as well. Yeah, because it has the Joker writing on it. Like how, right. how you lose Batman. Right. In, in the animated series, I think he did. He kept the suit too. So it's... The line of Batman said, of not everyone stays good. Right. That's a, that's a Jason Todd reference. 
Like, yeah, it has to be. Easily could be. I, I think it, it's going to be interesting. I think we all had our hopes up when, you know, the end of uh, Dark Knight Rises, you see Joseph Gordon-Levitt get risen up, and we're like, oh, wow, is there going to be, like, a Robin sequel? Yeah. No. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But no, of course th- not. This might be what we do get in terms of seeing Robin have a larger part in any of these movies. Right. Outside of Batman Forever, which, why don't we just forget that ever happened? Uh, why, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> any more thoughts on this, Dave? Uh, no, just well, I'm very intrigued to see how it does in its second weekend uh, at the box office. It's going to need some legs just to make enough money to be like super justifiable. Like I said, it really won't matter, but I'm, I'm curious to see how it does. I think just the lasting image that sticks with me. I think, I think the movie worth worth seeing to form an opinion on. If you like comic books at all, you, you should see it. If you don't like comic books... Well, yeah. It's up to you. I would say it's not, I mean, it's not something that's going to draw you in because there's so many little things. You need to really be invested in one of the characters at least in some You way. need to like, like comic stuff at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, like, it, 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 it does have a lot of action, but you, you'll have to get through the first hour and a half until you'll start right. to get into any of the action. In general, I feel like few comic book based movies are that attractive to non like non people comic book fans like the Dark Knight movies because they were so based in reality Deadpool because it's so funny first Iron Man just because mm-hmm. Rob Downey Jr. other than that most of those movies you kind of got to be on board with the characters just lasting image that stuck out to me you know with that whole um, the Flash coming back and saying you know Lois is the key when Superman's dead and you see Batman and Wonder Woman next to them as she's holding Superman they're all very dark and she's wearing a white shirt and really stands out in that scene Ooh. so uh, I think it's going to come down to some kind of storyline about how humans are the ones that are going to have to save Earth. Uh, and Lois Lane is going to have to play some part into this bigger uh, message that they're trying to send with all these. But I thought that was just a pretty striking image for a pretty well shot movie. I thought it was pretty beautiful for most of it. Those are my thoughts on Batman vs. Superman. Listen to Dave and Steve's thoughts on Batman vs. Superman. Find us on Twitter at, at NostalgiaPod. Find myself at, at SheenyWorldPeace no o in world um on twitter find dave where at martin swagger m-a-r-t-a-n-s-w-a-g-r let us know what you think about them for superman and everything else we talked about today whether you agree you disagree you like it did you hate it what did you rate it yeah and give us a rating on itunes i mean we we, we want those five stars we've gotten some great feedback so far thank you to everybody that has and yeah please give us any kind of feedback you got we want to make this better for you our loyal listeners so until next time this is patrick sheehan dave martinson signing off on nostalgia and this here's been a long round so i gotta go with logic the one nobody would vouch for how's that shit for an outro